Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Stephanie Sammons, and we're going to talk about how to network on LinkedIn. By the way, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. That'll come straight to my inbox. And before we get to this week's show, I've got a brand new, awesome discovery that I'd like to share with you. After untangling a school of anacondas, look what Michael Stelzner found. Have you heard of Blab yet? If you're in the social media space, you may have seen a lot of people talking about this thing called Blab, and you might be thinking to yourself, "Uh uh-oh, not another something. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, this thing called Blab, which is called Blab.im, that's the website, is, I think, one of the coolest technologies that I have seen in a very, very, very long time. And I got to tell you, I'm not the only one. A lot of people in the social media marketing world are ecstatic about what this technology is and about what this technology does. So what I want you to do is think about this. It's a live casting platform. So you know what podcasting is, right? You're listening to a podcast right now, which is a pre-recorded audio show. Well, imagine a live cast where you can do audio and video and you can interview not just one person, but multiple people. And you might be thinking, well, that sounds a lot like a Google Hangout. And it kind of is like a Google Hangout on steroids. Imagine having the ability to, with the click of a button, bring people in from desktop or mobile from literally anywhere in the world. This allows you to create shows. It allows you to do amazing, amazing things. And what is very unique about this, what differentiates this from a lot of the other live video broadcasting things that I've been seeing out there is unlike Meerkat and Periscope, where you are a solo broadcaster looking into your phone and trying to track a bunch of comments as they come by, this allows you to do the same thing, but to be joined by a panel of whoever you want. You can bring along a sidekick, you can bring along a guest, or you can just play roulette, if you will, and allow people to come in to the show and dialogue with you whenever you want. And it literally is the most seamless, easy-to-use desktop and mobile-based thing that I've ever seen. So it's kind of like, imagine the Brady Bunch, right? So you've got these squares with people's faces inside of them. And then imagine uh, integration to Twitter. So you can, with the click of a button, share it out to Twitter. And with the click of a button, create an account using Twitter. 
And then on the right, I want you to imagine all these comments that take place not on Twitter, but actually within this platform. You can interact with people. You can give what's called props, which is the equivalent of loves or hearts on Periscope. It kind of combines Periscope, Hangouts, and social all into one to create an absolutely amazing platform. I've seen people use it to create spontaneous shows. I've seen people use it to get feedback on product ideas. I've seen people use it to do podcasts. And as a matter of fact, this particular podcast interview you're going to hear, I actually did on Blab. And at the end of the podcast, I actually allowed people that were listening along, and I had 50 live people listening, to come on and ask Stephanie Sammons their questions about LinkedIn. It is really, really cool. And what's even more amazing about it is it's got some YouTube-like functionalities. The second you're done recording, the, the video is right there. Boom, and you can watch it. But they also email you a downloadable MP4 file and a downloadable MP3 file. So you can literally do your podcast on this platform, have the audio, and bada bing, you're done. I've done a number of shows on this thing. Um, I did one on Blab strat- social strategy, how people are using Blab. I did another one called uh, Marketer's Guide to Blab, what you need to know. And you can find these by visiting blab.im slash Mike underscore Stelzner, my last name, S-T-E-L-Z-N-E-R. And when you're there, if you want, you can subscribe to one of my future shows. I have a Saturday morning show where we just talk about social media and you can come on and join me live on the video. I do spontaneous shows during the week and sometimes I record this very podcast there. So blab.im slash Mike underscore Stelzner. You can follow me there, you can subscribe to my shows, or you can watch some of the shows that I've already mentioned. And like I said, this interview you're going to hear was actually recorded using Blab. So this is my find of the week. I think it's a really big find, and I do think that this is going to be a platform that's going to be a major, major contender. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. So with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Stephanie Sammons. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Stephanie Sammons. If you don't know who Stephanie is, she's a social media strategist that specializes in LinkedIn. She's written extensively for Social Media Examiner on that very topic, and she's also the author of a brand new book called Linked to Influence. Stephanie, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Well, today we're going to talk about how to network on LinkedIn. And I know that uh, so many of us wonder, how can we be using LinkedIn better? And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that, Stephanie, let's talk about your story. How did you get from, you know, wherever, you can start wherever you want, but how did you actually get to the point where you decided you wanted to write a book about LinkedIn? Yeah, so I uh, spent most of my career as uh, what we we were called wealth managers Mm. and uh, at big financial firms. I spent about 15 years in that business. And then uh, we had a financial meltdown and back in 08, 09. And so I ended up taking a package and completely starting over. Uh, And I decided to start my own business And I stayed within the financial industry initially, but I went into the digital marketing space, web development and design. Um, So many financial professionals needed to update their their online presence. And so LinkedIn really saved my life because I didn't even know where to begin. And at the same time, I was having an identity crisis trying to figure out what am I going to do? What is this business going to look like? And so that's how I really got interested in LinkedIn and started to understand the platform. And so I've been writing and speaking on LinkedIn for uh, five years or so. And I've developed and accumulated this, this knowledge and information. And what I couldn't find on LinkedIn was a book that was like a comprehensive resource that really, you know, there are books about your profile. There are books about how to network on LinkedIn. But I really wanted to write a book that covered all the bases of LinkedIn and and provide a framework for going through and really building your own personal brand on LinkedIn through networking, through all the different opportunities. What can you tell us about LinkedIn? You got any statistics, any interesting things? Because I think so many of us, especially even in the B2B world, know that LinkedIn is important. But uh, it's like Facebook is the siren on the hill. You know what I mean? And it's calling us and we're attracted to that. And we overlook this powerful platform called LinkedIn. So what what can you tell us and and our listeners about the platform? Yeah, you know, I think the perception is it's a little bit boring. Uh, It's it's not as easy to use, perhaps, as Facebook. The the user interface is a little uh, outdated. But, uh, you know, there are almost 400 million members on LinkedIn uh, 30% of those are from the U.S., 70% international. And uh, I think I've got some notes here. Sixty Over 60% of LinkedIn members make more than 75000 a year uh, in annual income. And then 40% of LinkedIn members make 100000 or more. So the users are, they're affluent, they're very well-educated, and they come to LinkedIn for a purpose. And that purpose is really content and connection. You know, they want to learn, they want information, news, knowledge, but also to, to build a network and connect and, uh, you know, make things happen for their businesses. So they're going there for, for a purpose. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to explore a little bit more about what that purpose is, right? Because LinkedIn has really evolved over the years. I know that in the beginning when I was on LinkedIn, it was kind of a glorified resume, right? It was a way that someone could look you up and see what your past performance has been. But now it seems that LinkedIn is a place that people go for business news and many other things. Can you share kind of what your experience is as to why people tend to go back to LinkedIn over and over again? 
Yeah, I think LinkedIn has done a great job with really uh, content aggregation, content curation, content marketing. Uh, you know, it's my go-to source now. Every morning, the first thing I do is see what's happening um, in the news, in my industry, and all that can be found on LinkedIn. And, and also, they've got an app, the Pulse app. It's brand new. And it's basically what's going on with your network and news, and it, it keeps you very informed. Talk to me about that, because I'm, I've been aware of what Pulse is online, which I think was their ability to lift up, if you will, news that was popular on LinkedIn. But I don't think I'm aware of the app. So what does the app do, just out of curiosity? Is it like the equivalent of a newsreader? Um, it is, but they LinkedIn is doing a curation for you based on your network. So the, the smarter your network is, the more relevant your network is on LinkedIn, the more relevant the, the content and the information you will see on Pulse. And so it's also, not only does it include uh, stories and articles from major media outlets, but also from people you're connected to who are publishing on LinkedIn, who are writing their own articles and putting them out there. And so this new Pulse app, the, the user interface is fantastic. You can just zip through it. You can save articles. You can share them. You can comment. Uh, it's really great. Awesome. Um, well, let's let's transition over to the, to the, the main topic of the day, which is networking on LinkedIn. Um, what, let's start with the benefits. Why should we have a strong network of connections on LinkedIn? Because I know that there are some people like myself who only accept connections from people that I've met in the flesh. And I know there are other people, <laughs> yeah, face to face. And I know there are other people that are, you know, accepting connections from strangers all the time. And, you know, talk about the importance of, of building a good network and what can be done with that. Sure. So I call it uh, building a smart network. And the smarter your network is, the more relevant the people and the opportunities are that you're going to attract. Um, I made the mistake personally of trying to connect with anybody and everybody on LinkedIn because it's easy to get caught up in that in social media where you just you, you have to have tons of fans and followers and connections to be successful, but that is a myth. Um, a smart network is a what I call a right-sized network. It's not huge, it's not really small, but the people you connect with, you have a valid reason for bringing them into your network or accepting them into your network. Okay, so talk, talk to us about that. I mean, like, what, what is a right-sized network? I mean, give us an example. Maybe there's a client of yours, or maybe it's something you've done yourself. Like, how do we decide who we ought to let into our network? So a smart network is going to be people where it, it really makes sense to connect. And, and this is your, your unique market opportunities. So everyone's situation is different. But you need to look at your location, where you live and work, people uh, in your same geographical area, uh, industries that you have worked in in the past and industries you work in currently, um, any organizations and, and uh, associations you belong to, those members, um, referral sources, potential business partners, suppliers in your industry, journalists, 
So really taking a 360 degree view around who are the most important people out there that I need to be connecting with and building my network with that, that makes sense. And they're, they're high quality people and there's a good reason for me to be connected with them and to get to know them better. Well, let's step back and ask, you know, what is the motivation of connecting with these people? Um, part of me wonders whether or not just blindly going to everyone who works in my industry you know, um, or everyone who's a journalist who may be the people that everyone wants to have a connection with, whether that's strategic or not, or maybe it's more a matter of making sure that whenever you go to an event, maybe everyone you meet and get a business card ought to be in your network. I mean, talk through that a little bit with me. What, I mean, like, how do you do it, Stephanie? Let's just, let's just talk about you. Sure. So, I mean, I'm very strategic about it. I'm not going to connect with every journalist. Um, I'm not going to connect with with every person I meet at an event or a conference or something like that. However, meeting people offline and then making that connection online, those end up being really the strongest relationships. Um, It's easier. You're more memorable. People think of you more often. You think of them more often when you get connected in that way. So I think about who can I connect with? that would have any potential contact or relationship with my target client, my ideal client. Who else out there would potentially have a relationship with someone I would like to work with or um, even someone like you, Mike, you run a, a large event, the social media marketing world, people who host events, you know, maybe I want to get connected with, with people like that in my industry as well and cultivate a relationship. Maybe someday I can speak on their stage or I can add value to what they're doing and recommend a speaker. So you just really have to think strategically about who you're connecting with and, and have discretion when you accept connections as well. What are your thoughts about, um, there's plenty of people listening to this podcast that are located all over the world and maybe they don't have the physical means to be able to travel to big conferences like social media marketing world. What are your thoughts about taking electronic contacts? Like for example, let's say you are on um, a hangout or a blab session or you're interacting inside of a Facebook group and you seem to hit it off with someone. Should we be thinking, okay, I need to go over to LinkedIn, find them on LinkedIn and make that connection happen. And should we be doing that often? It's really a personal decision. So if, uh, if someone has heard me speak um, and it's a recorded session or something like that, and, and they live far away, they live somewhere else and, and they send me a personal invitation to connect and, Hey, I heard you speak and really liked what you had to say. I will connect with that person. Um, but that's my personal decision because right. I, and I will use discretion as well. I mean, do they have uh, do they have a picture? Do they have a, a headline summary that is attractive? Do they have a complete profile? So I do look at, at what the person, how the person is positioned on LinkedIn. Uh, but really you just, it, it's a personal decision. So let's say that we found some people that, um, we want to connect with. Maybe we have interacted with them on Facebook groups, or maybe we have, 
had some sort of interaction with them. How do we go about actually making the LinkedIn connection happen? What are some tips that you can give people? Because so many of us just simply push the default button, right? Um, and even right. we find when we log into LinkedIn, names come up that we recognize and we push the button and that's all there is to it. Is there something more we ought to do to increase the chances that that connection will actually happen? Yeah, it's it's become more challenging to send a personalized invitation on LinkedIn. Uh, anyone who spends any time there uh, is probably aware of that. You press the button and, oh, great, you know, that's just going to be a gen- generic invitation to an important person. But first and foremost, you want to build some kind of rapport. So it's great to build rapport on Twitter or Facebook or another network and then just let let the person know, hey, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. I'm going to send you an invitation. It's probably going to be a generic one, but just know it's coming. Um, I've had a lot of people from Twitter do that with me. And the way they do it is they send what's called an in-mail from LinkedIn, which is a paid message that you can send to anyone on LinkedIn. So wait a minute. There's, There's no way to send that message without being a paid member. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. No longer can you send an in-mail message, which is the ability to send a message to anyone outside of your network on LinkedIn. Um, And depending on the the level of account you've signed up for, you receive a different allocation of in-mails. But they're very valuable, um, and you want to use them wisely because you don't get tons of them. Uh, but, But I've made a lot of strategic connections in that way, and I talk about this a lot in the book of, uh, you know, how do you connect with people you don't know? How do you get on their radar and build rapport? That, uh, those in-mails uh, work great for that purpose. So what does it cost? Tell us, like, what are the, what's the entry-level price, just out of curiosity, for someone who has a free account, maybe wants to upgrade to be able to be able to send, or can you buy in-mails in bulk? Can you buy five in-mails or something like that? Or do you have to actually upgrade your account to, like, one of those $79 a month accounts? Yeah, you do have to upgrade. Um, when you do upgrade, you can purchase more in-mails. I think they're $10 each, and there is a limit. Um, you're looking at, usually LinkedIn will give you a free trial for a premium account, and then you're going to probably $60 a month. I think the last I saw was fifteen ninety nine. I mean, I'm sorry, fifty nine ninety nine. dollars gotcha. um, Or if you pay annually, you save, you know, like 20%. But yeah, that is that is tricky. Um, if you, there are plenty of benefits for with a free account. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but but that one benefit is really great for connecting strategically with people you don't know. Now, in the olden days, in order to send someone an invitation, you had to know what their email address is. Is that still the case, or is it just if you can look them up, you can send them the request, but it's not personalized? That's a great point. Um, if you know an email address, you can send someone an invitation to connect and you can personalize it. You can. Okay, good. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Good. Um, good point. What about groups? I've seen that when you belong to a group with other people, it seems like there's an easier chance of connecting. I don't know if LinkedIn allows those connections to happen because you're part of a group. I've seen it because you know we put together private groups for our events and I often get lots of private messages from members of the groups and are you aware of whether there's extra if you're part of a group they they give you somehow a chance to privately communicate with members of the group well they recently closed a loophole there um, because it was that you could send a message to any mutual group member Hmm. Uh, 
It's, this is not an invitation to connect. It's just a message, a one-on-one -on -one message to communicate. And LinkedIn, uh, some people were abusing that privilege, as, as that usually happens. And so LinkedIn now limits that to 15 messages per month that you can send to mutual group members. So it makes sense to connect or to, to join relevant groups just to be able to do that and build rapport with people inside of those groups, even people who aren't active because groups of groups are not as, as, as active as they once were. Um, and, and I think LinkedIn is very invested in making groups valuable and easier to navigate and communicate in. But if you join these relevant groups, you can search the membership of the group and you can find various people that you would like to connect with and you can send a message and build that rapport initially before you send an invitation. It just, let me say this, you want to get the right people inside of your network because this is when you have the opportunity to be visible and valuable with them and you have the opportunity to send those one-to-one -one messages and cultivate the relationship, as many messages as you want to send when they're in your, your first degree network. Um, let's talk about, let's assume we have a network, okay, and everybody on LinkedIn has some level of connections, right? I mean, and I think, in the, at least in the olden days, if it was 500, it just said 500 plus, right? Is it still that right. way? So let's say you've got a network of 500 people or 100 people. Um, what should we be doing with that network in order to cultivate those relationships and hopefully build those relationships? How do you recommend we go about doing that? So there is actually a Chrome plugin that I found that will show you exactly how many connections someone has, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, but yeah. So that's, but not public, that's not public knowledge then is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people know about it, but it's in the Chrome um, application database. It's just a, a browser tool. So, but yes, LinkedIn will show 500 plus, and that's a good number to get to because there is some credibility associated with that number. It says, you know what you're doing on LinkedIn. Um, you've put some time into building your network and, and making your profile look good and professional. So, um, what was the question? Sorry. Yeah. So the question is, once you've got a network of any size, how do you cultivate it? How do you, uh, you know, how do you work the network, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in order to remain top of mind with those that you're connected to on LinkedIn? Yeah. So being active on LinkedIn um, is seems like a no brainer, a really simple thing. But I would say 80 percent of the, the network is not they're not actively posting status updates and engaging in the news feed where news and articles and all kinds of things, activities are coming through. And so if you can share something once a day that is valuable to your network through a status update, right there, you're going to increase your visibility significantly because there just aren't that many active people um, doing that kind of activity, sharing their knowledge. So a lot of people listening right now know how to do that on Facebook but and know how to do that on Twitter, but maybe they don't know the culture on LinkedIn. So is, is it the same? Do we do the same kinds of things on Facebook that we do on LinkedIn when it comes to updates? What are your thoughts on that? No, I mean, you don't want to post selfies and pictures of your pets or anything like that. It's It's professional. You know, it's a professional network. And it really goes back to the reason you want to build a smart network, because when you know the people you're connecting with, um, 
you have a much better idea of what to give them and what to share with them and, and determine what they find to be valuable. And you can also see the engagement with each of your updates and some will flop and some will do really well. And so you can pay attention to, hey, you know, that one did really well. I'm going to do more, uh, share more content of that nature on LinkedIn, for example. Talk to me about the engagement. What are we looking for when we post something on LinkedIn? What, how do we know it's being received by our community? What are the signs? Um, well, you've got the, the likes, comments, and shares. Those are the three actions that someone can take on your update. Um, whenever they comment, then this comment can potentially be visible to their network. And so you can gain exposure to the, the networks of your first degree connections if you get engagement on your updates. And it's much easier to get engagement on LinkedIn on your personal profile, not a company page, um, than it is on, on Facebook right now. So uh, shares are fantastic because people actually share the full post with their networks and they can uh, edit with their own commentary. And so that's what I like to do most is share what people in my network have posted because I can, it, it's, it's almost like um, I get to take ownership of that content put my own spin on it. And I'm also helping that person grow their visibility with my network. What are your, uh, there's a couple thoughts going through my head and, and I'll be honest and confess that I am very active on Facebook and less active on LinkedIn. So I'm curious, I got a couple different thoughts. First of all, I know the public LinkedIn publisher is what I see every time I log into LinkedIn, I see all the articles that all my friends have published. Um, is that the new update or do our updates also get the same level of exposure or do they kind of give a little preferential treatment to those that are publishing on the LinkedIn, you know, platform? Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. And that's a great question. So two different things. You've, you've got status updates that are activities that will go out into the newsfeed of your connections. They're short and sweet. Um, you do have a little bit of room to, to create a message or some commentary there. But the LinkedIn publishing platform is where you can, it, it's basically a built-in blogging platform that LinkedIn provides you. And it's mostly for longer form content, longer articles. And it's a way to showcase um, your professional insights, your ideas, um, your knowledge, and, and also add value to your network and the people you're actually trying to get in front of and build relationships with, because creating content like this does cultivate relationships. So that's completely different. Now, when you do publish an article on LinkedIn, on the publishing platform, it does get shared with your first degree connections in the news feeds of your first degree connections, uh, just like a status update would. Uh, but when they click through to read that article, it's actually on the publishing platform. It looks a little bit different. You can comment on the article. You can like it and share it, that sort of thing. Um, earlier, we were talking about the Pulse app. And if you log in on the Pulse app, and they know that I'm assuming you have to log in with link your LinkedIn identity, does it show your friends' articles at the top of the list on the Pulse app? Or is it more like the big media outlets that it's showing you know articles from? No, it, it really is your newsfeed. Um, and 
you know, images take up a big part of the screen. It's a mixture of news outlets and people um, who have published in your network. Now, I haven't, I don't have any way to know, is it everyone who's publishing? Like if I publish a new article, is everyone who's on Pulse going to be able to see that? Um, There is some curating going on there because LinkedIn is learning more and more about what our preferences are and what kind of knowledge we want to know about. And so this is what Pulse is trying to do is really be your personalized news and information and knowledge source 24-7. What about video and images? Um, Does LinkedIn give... Um, a little more space, if you will, in their newsfeed to images when you upload them. Is that a strategy that should we be uploading images like we see people do on Instagram or on Facebook? Um, Let's start there. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, So many people are posting to LinkedIn from third-party tools. I love uh, third-party tools. They're awesome. They save us time. They're um, very effective for staying visible and valuable. However, with LinkedIn, when you post something through a third-party tool, the image does not resolve correctly on LinkedIn. It looks terrible. So what you want to do is actually type in your message, include the link to the article you're sharing, and then you will see a little photo image icon within the box where you're posting your update, and you can click that and upload an image from the article, your own image, whatever you want to do, and share it that way. And then that image is going to take up significant real estate in the LinkedIn newsfeed, but you've also got your commentary above it and you've got the link that can be clicked on. Because if you click on the image, it's not hyperlinked. Oh, I see. It's not going to go anywhere. Interesting. Okay, gotcha. So it's kind of like those old blog posts where you click on the image and it just shows you the image. But if you click on, or nothing nothing really happens is what you're saying. So you definitely have to include the link. We discovered that quite by accident on our LinkedIn company page for Social Media Examiner that, you know, we were using scheduling tools and the images just weren't the same as some of the other companies that were posting. And then we were able to, to upload it. And that, that made a big difference. What yeah. about video? Um, does... YouTube and Vimeo videos, do they, do they, do they pre-populate into the LinkedIn feed or um, like they used to on Facebook? Or, um, and also, have you heard any rumors as to whether LinkedIn is going to come out with their own native video? Because it seems like native video is such a hot thing on all the other platforms. Um, in terms of, let me just say this about images. When you publish a post on the LinkedIn publishing platform, you can hyperlink images there. Gotcha. So just want to make the distinction. Um, as far as video, yes. So, you know, LinkedIn doesn't want you to leave if, if someone watches the video that's been posted. So the video will play in line. Um, a slide share presentation, you can scroll through right there. Um, LinkedIn what, owns SlideShare. So what about Vimeo? Does Vimeo work as well? Do you know? Don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. I would assume, but I'm not sure. Gotcha. Uh, Uh, Does videos, do you see a lot of use of videos on LinkedIn or is this more of a platform for the readers? I'm just curious. I really see video more in the, in LinkedIn ads, Hmm. uh, not necessarily in the newsfeed. And from what I understand, LinkedIn isn't going in that direction with video and audio. They really believe you can, you can get the gist of the content you're consuming more quickly the most the, the quickest with a written with the written word a written article and they're big big huge fans of written content 
Talk to me about the email side of LinkedIn, because I know that I get emails often with updates in them. And is that one of the things that people maybe that aren't active on LinkedIn ought to be thinking about? Um, because, you know, it kind of LinkedIn does have kind of a way of, of curating stuff, right, and sending it out. And, you know, if you have a network and you're making regular updates, is there a chance that maybe some sort of an email will go out with some of those updates to the inbox of the people that are in your network? Or is that mostly used in a different way? So, yes, you can get exposure to your network, <clears throat> excuse me, through uh, LinkedIn's emails. And, and you can go into your settings and you can decide which emails you want to receive from LinkedIn. They've recently made an effort to uh, minimize the number of emails that they're sending us because it, we've, we've become a little saturated with LinkedIn emails. You can't really stand out as much as you once could. That's why I'm such a big fan of the one-on-one -on -one messaging capabilities that LinkedIn gives us because that's really how you, you cut through the noise and get the attention of someone inside of their email inbox. Okay, so up to this point, we've been talking about how to build a smart network and how to make sure that the network is made up of people that make sense for what your business objectives are or maybe people that know the people that you're trying to reach so that you can build that smart network. And then, and then we began talking about how you ought to curate or share content that is of interest to that specific network. And we dug deep into things like visuals and things like video. The last thing I want to talk to you about is, let's say we've got a content strategy in place and we've got a good network in place. When it comes time to reaching out and actually trying to do a little prospecting, if you will, or trying to do a little... I'd love to get on the phone and talk to you. Do you have any tips on how we can go about, about you know, not just growing the network, but tapping the network, I guess? Yeah, I really think that if you're thoughtful and strategic about connecting with prospects, potential clients, that it can be highly effective. And I've seen it in many cases. And, uh, you know, there was an example in the book where that I wrote about where a, a custom bag maker, the CEO of a custom bag company, just received a completely unsolicited message from a custom uh, fabric creator who just happened to say, you know, I'm, um, are you in the markets or are you looking for custom threading? Because you know, this is what we do is highly specialized. I just, just wanted to introduce myself and, and just reach out. And the guy, the custom bag maker happened to be completely in the market for a new type of bag that was very innovative that he wanted to try and, and create, but he, he couldn't find the right partner. Well, they end up being partners and the custom bag maker uh, launches a new innovative line of these glow in the dark bags. And it was huge, huge revenue opportunity, a strategic partner. And this never would have happened if the custom fabric maker did not send that prospective message. That is so cool. So I guess what I hear you saying is once you built the network and you tend to have some sort of a tangential relationship with the people in the network, it's not a problem to just reach out to them and say, Hey, are you in the market for X or are you interested in Y or I'd love to chat with you to find out more about your business. I mean, these are the kind of things I would imagine if I could peek into the in-mail <laughs> are happening every second on LinkedIn. Is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, that example, uh, it, it worked well. But I'm uh, more of a fan of really trying to find a common thread or a common connection point. Do you know some of the same people? Can you really come up with a, a good reason to reach out and build some rapport first and then talk about, you know, uh, that, that you've, you've recognized something that the person has accomplished, some work that they are doing, and tie that into uh, what you do, you know, and that maybe it's a good fit or maybe you guys could get on the phone and, and chat about it. I put scripts in the book um, that, that I've found from other people and, and my own clients. And so you can get a good idea in there of how to really do it professionally and not be salesy um, and overly promotional, but really try to build rapport, make a connection first. Excellent. Well, Stephanie Sammons, author of Linked to Influence, why don't you tell everyone where they can find out more about you and more about your book? Sure. So my website is stephaniesammons.com. That's S-A-M-M-O-N-S. And then I do have a a one-page site that I'm working on for the book. It's not up yet as of this recording, but it's called, it's linktoinfluence.com. That's where that will be. Awesome. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is fun. Well, I hope you got a lot out of this podcast. If there was anything that we mentioned that you missed, we take all the notes for you. You can visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 166. Stands for episode 166. Also, be sure to never miss a future episode of this podcast. Hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast player you happen to be listening on. Also, we would love a rating and or a review if you're a regular listener to the show. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes or socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher to give us a rating and or a review. We would really appreciate it. And this does bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.